0: Greetings all, and welcome to Theatre Workshop of Owensboro's Trinity Radio Players production of War of the Worlds. Adapted for radio by Howard Cook for CBS Radio, from the original story by H.G. Wells, directed by Todd Reynolds, and produced by WKWC Radio. The Trinity Radio Players are supported by Limestone Bank and Greenwell Chisholm. And now, War of the Worlds.
1: No one would have believed in the middle of the 20th century that human affairs were being watched keenly and closely by intelligences greater than man's. Yet across the gulf of space on the planet Mars, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our Earth with envious eyes, slowly and surely drawing their plans against us. Mars is more than 140 million miles from the sun, And for centuries, it has been in the last stages of exhaustion. The inhabitants of this dying planet looked across space with instruments and intelligences of which we have scarcely dreamed, searching for another world to which they could migrate. Their nearest world was giant Jupiter, where the atmospheric pressure is thousands of pounds to the square inch. They could not go there. Nor to Saturn, nor to Pluto, planets encased in eternal ice. They could not go to Neptune or Uranus, twin worlds in eternal night and surrounded by unbreathable atmospheres of methane gas and ammonia vapor. They could not go to Mercury, its temperature is that of molten lead. Of all the worlds that the intelligences on Mars could see and study, only our own warm Earth was green with vegetation, bright with water, and possessed a cloudy atmosphere eloquent of fertility. It did not occur to mankind that a swift fate may be hanging over us, that it would come at a time of our nearest approach to the orbit of Mars, that it would begin in or over the mountains northeast of Los Angeles, California, on a pleasant summer evening.
2: This is Pine Summit Lookout. I got smoke.
3: Okay, what's your reading?
2: Uh, azimuth, 160 degrees, 30 minutes. Right where that meteorite just hit. Did you see it?
4: Not me, but a couple of the gods did. Must have been a pretty big fireball.
2: Big? i never seen anything like it. Hey, look, you better get a pump truck over there before the fire gets really going.
4: Will do.
3: Truck number three to D.O. Number three to D.O.
4: D.O. to number three, how you coming?
3: Still pumping water on the fire, but it's under control. Unless this meteorite heats things up again, over.
4: You mean it's still red hot?
3: Red hot is right, and as big as a barn, over.
4: Who are you kidding? Over.
3: I said big as a barn, Mac. I think somebody ought to take a look at it. Might be something for those astronomers down at Polomar, over.
5: Maybe there's some guys even closer. The station at Pond Summit reported there were a couple of fellows camping up there. Said they were scientists.
3: Yeah? What kind? Don't want any butterfly experts or lizard specialists. Over. (laughs) Gotcha. Stand by and I'll check Pond Summit.
4: (laughs) No, no. No butterflies or lizards. Just brook trout,
2: yes? I'm the chief fry cook. Mm Mm-mm. They sure smell good, don't they? There's plenty if you'd like to join us. Well, I'd like to, but I gotta get back to the lookout. Uh, What I really meant was, didn't you two tell me you were scientists from Pacific Tech? Mm Mm-hmm. Dr. Bilderbeck is one of the country's top biochemists. Bio? Oh, then he wouldn't know about meteors. That's your department, Clayton. The district officer phoned us at the summit, wanted us to have an expert look at that meteor. Landed about 10, 12 miles from here, over by Linda Rosa. Well, I doubt
4: we could tell much about it tonight. Probably won't be cool enough to touch for hours yet. Maybe not till morning. And in the morning, I'm due back at the lab. Well, that's just what I was thinking. All right. I'll stay over. Perhaps in the morning the district officer can fix me up with a lift to Lenderosa. Well, how about me? You?
2: Sure. My relief's coming up first thing tomorrow morning. I'd kinda like to get a look at that meteor myself. Good. That's a deal. Uh, Professor? Yes. Those trout do smell awful good, don't they? <laughs> Change your mind. Yeah. My wife always said my strongest point's my weakness. <laughs> Well, what do you know? Look at all them cars. Well, wow. sightseers already. Yeah, one of them's the sheriff. That's his car parked on the firebreak.
1: Hey,
2: Fiddler! Up here! That ranger waving at us? Yeah, that's Smith. Coming. Hmm, Meteor sure plowed the tops of those trees, didn't it?
4: Huh. God. They don't usually hit at such an oblique angle.
2: Hey, Smith! Where is it? Down here in the gully. That's it down there, half buried under all that loose earth. Huh. Still smoking. You bet it is. You could fry eggs on it. Oh, ooh. Really is as big as a house, isn't it? Hey, I wouldn't get too near that thing. It'll scorch you.
4: Oh, thanks. I'll keep that in mind.
2: Did you see it come down? <laughs>
4: Did I see it?
6: Yes. My uncle and I were coming out of the movies last night just when it flashed across the sky. We heard the explosion when it hit here.
4: That's what I don't understand, why a meteorite that size didn't make a bigger crater.
6: Well, the ranger told us a scientist is coming over from Pacific Tech. He'll be able to tell you. He knows all about meteors.
4: Oh, he does? Really?
6: Hmm? He's a top man in astro and nuclear physics. Clayton Forrester. Well, you must have heard of him.
4: It appears that you have.
6: Well, I did a thesis on American scientists when I was working for my master's degree. Forster was the man behind the new atomic engines. One of these days, he'll win the Nobel.
4: <laughs> he isn't that good.
6: He certainly is. I think that if you knew him... Well, oh,
4: I know him. That is, slightly.
6: Oh? What's he like? I mean... As a man.
4: Well, for one thing, when he goes hunting or fishing, he never shaves. After four or five days, he looks about as fuzzy as well. uh, I do.
6: (gasps) Oh, you're Dr. Forrester?
4: Yes, that's right.
6: (laughs) I'm Sylvia Van Buren. How do you do? Very well, now that I've met the Dr. Clayton Forrester. Come on, I want my uncle to meet you.
4: Oh, but I... Oh,
6: please, he's just over there talking to the sheriff.
4: (laughs) All right, you win.
7: Well... They won't be able to haul this one off to a museum. Well, they
1: certainly won't. Uncle Matthew? Yes, my dear?
6: I want you to meet Dr. Clayton Forrester, the astrophysicist. Dr. Forrester? My uncle, Dr. Collins, pastor of the community church.
1: Oh, so glad to know you, Dr. Forrester.
4: How do you do, sir?
2: Hey, Sheriff. hmm Look,
6: look here.
4: Yeah? What's wrong?
3: Borrowed this geiger counter off a guy that just come out here looking for
2: uranium. Listen to it.
4: Hmm. Mind if I try that a moment,
2: Ranger? Mm? Oh, no, no, here you are.
4: Well, let's point the pull meter toward the gully.
2: See what I mean?
4: Uh huh. It's a meteor, all right.
6: It's radioactive?
4: Apparently. But why is beyond me.
6: You mean there's no record of anything like this happening before?
4: Well, I've never heard of it. Maybe I'll stick around until that thing cools off. Dr. Collins. Yes. Where's a good place in town where I could shave and clean up a little bit?
1: <laughs> well, the best place is uh, my house, Dr. Forrester. Sylvia and I would be delighted if you would stay with us. Well, I wouldn't want
4: of to. Of course you will. Well, maybe... It's until- settled,
6: Dr. Forrester. If you're wondering how on earth you can spend your time in a place like Linda Rosa, there's a square dance tonight.
4: All right. I surrender. Uh, Sheriff. Yes? If that meteor is radioactive, you better keep people away from it. There might be... Very dangerous radiations.
7: Oh, that's so. Uh, okay, I'll post a couple of deputies. Is there anything else?
4: No, but if you need me, you know where to find me.
7: <laughs> yeah, sure. be there myself. At the square dance.
1: Yee-haw. left the just walk around and not too far. Having
6: fun, Dr. Forrester?
4: Sure. You know, dancing's something I don't get much time for.
6: Well, you should make time. Don't your girlfriends like to dance?
4: <laughs> I don't have much time for them either, I'm afraid.
7: Oh, Dr. Forrester. Oh, good evening, Sheriff. Uh, I was just talking by radiophone to one of my deputies out at the media. Says it's pretty well cooled off.
4: Good. We'll look at it again in the morning.
7: All right. I'll call my deputies back and tell them to come on in. No tourists out there this time of night, and then <laughs> Saturday night is Saturday night, you know.
4: Okay. Right, I'll tell him. Hey, uh, Salvatore? Yes, what did he say? sheriff says to come on in. Oh, good. Uh, But maybe we could go have a beer, huh, Alonzo? Just a minute. You hear that? Yeah, I hear it. It's coming from that meteor. It's... it's moving. Something is moving on top of it. It's turning. That's no meteor. Alonzo? Hit the dirt! Hey, it's coming right up through the opening in the top. Like a snake. Yeah, or a periscope, like a... Like a cobra's head, only it's metal. Some kind of green metal with eyes. It's turning around. What's
0: he looking for?
4: Maybe... Us. Yeah, maybe. Look, Salvatore, this could be some sort of enemy sneak attack. We gotta radio the sheriff. But we don't let it see us, huh? No. We can crawl along this ditch till we get near the patrol car,
0: then make a run for it, right? Maybe. Let's go.
4: Shh. Quiet. It sees us. Run! We gotta run! Faster. It's looking right at us. No!
1: Who turned
7: off those lights? Now, wait. Don't get panicky, folks. Sylvia,
4: Dr. Forrester?
6: Yes, Uncle Matthew.
4: Over here, Dr. Collins. <laughs> well,
1: there's nothing to be alarmed about. You know, at midnight, they always play "Good Night, ladies, and turn out the lights. I think they're just ahead of time.
4: Uh, let's check our watches. Here, I've got a match.
6: Let's see. I have eleven twenty. 20... No... My watch has stopped.
1: Well, that, that's strange. So's mine. Uh, Dr. Forrester?
4: Yeah, mine too. Well, there's only one explanation. All our watches must have been magnetized.
1: But how?
7: Ah, here we are, folks. Here's candles for everybody. Light them up. Sheriff? Yes.
4: Do you happen to have a pocket compass? Pocket compass, sure, sure. May I see it, please?
7: Yeah, right here? All right, now what?
4: Well, just look at it. Hmm,
7: I'll be hanged. Why, that needle isn't
4: pointing north. No, it isn't. It's pointing almost due west, right to where that meteor came down.
2: Sheriff? Hey, where's the sheriff? Yes. What is it, Fiddler? Oh, hey, come take a look outside. There's a big fire out in the hills.
4: Is it west of town?
2: Yeah, due west. The reddest looking blaze I ever saw.
4: Sheriff, I hope your car's outside. It sure is. Come on. Well, there's the reason the lights went out. power line's down. Yeah, it's
7: funny. Alonzo and Salvatore were supposed to come back into town, but there's their car right over there. They must still be
4: around. Yeah.
7: Alonzo! Salvatore!
4: Sheriff, turn your flashlight over there along that ditch. Where? Right over there. Those two white mounds in the ditch. Are those ashes or... Good
7: Lord! <laughs> <clears throat> nothing...
4: Nothing left but the...
7: Outlines. Listen. Listen. What in the blazing? Down quick. Did you see it? Yes, it's it's fantastic. Now look, we, we've we got to get where back to town. There's a transmitter in my car. <laughs> you
4: had a car, Sheriff. But, but Forrester, what, what is it? What kind of gizmo is that thing? Well, until a minute ago, I would have sooner believed in fairies, witches, and ghosts, but now I think that gizmo is a machine from another planet. Forrester! Forrester, look! Coming over those mountains there. Second meteor, just like the first. Sheriff, we've got to get word to the military right away. Yeah, yeah, sure. They'll never believe us. What do we tell them? Tell them the truth that we're under invasion from outer space.
3: Get those half tracks out of the way! Captain,
5: I want the artillery placements. All right, on the double, on the double, there. Hey, here come the tanks. As I said, the area is under the control of the United States Marines from El Toro Base, Colonel Ralph Hepner commanding. The gully where the machines landed is almost surrounded, and, oh, there's the man we want to hear from, Dr. Forrester. Yes, Would you give us your opinion, sir? Are these meteor machines from Mars?
2: Well, uh,
4: they're certainly from some planet other than our own.
5: Directly into the microphone, please, Doctor.
4: If they are Martians, I'm sure the creatures that operate these machines must be quite uncomfortable in our heavier air and with the Earth's much stronger gravitational pull. What do you think they look like, sir? That's anybody's guess. We do know from animal evolution on this planet that it's possible they may have more than one brain, perhaps two or even more, and possibly they may even smell colors. Smell colors? Well, that's just speculation, of
5: course. Hey, uh, Forrester? Yes? Colonel wants you in the command post. Oh, coming. Uh, if you'll excuse me, please. Certainly, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Dr. Clayton Forrester, head of astrophysics at Pacific Tech.
3: The Ford observation post is on this hill. The Ricola 75s are back here. Carbon Canyon.
4: Uh, Colonel Hefner. In a
3: minute, Forrester. Command, Hefner. Yes, that's right, Captain. Two rocket batteries on Hill 17 and right now. Forrester. Yes? I want you to meet General Mann. He's in charge of intelligence for the Pacific area. General, Dr. Clayton Forrester. I've heard quite a bit about you, Forrester. Glad you're with us. I hope I can be of some help, General. You can. First. Let me brief you on the latest reports. Two machines have landed near Fresno. Another outside Sacramento. Two down on Long Island. They're outside London. They're in Naples. One in Santiago, Chile.
4: Oh, seem to be coming down at random. It's too soon to know.
3: But apparently that machine out there in the gully was the first down. The lead ship, maybe. Very likely. And the second one is exactly two miles due north.
2: Command center.
3: As I understand it, Forrester, you actually saw that destructive ray?
4: Yes, I did. It was an intense heat and light. Yes. Almost as powerful as the sun. Atomic power? Yes, I'd say so of some sort. Uh, General? Yes, Colonel? That
3: was a relay from the Pentagon. Santiago Chile radios. It's under attack. Two-thirds of the city already destroyed. Two-thirds? Yes, sir. But nothing like that can happen here, sir. We're ready for them. Listen,
4: is that it? Yes, let's get to the observation post now. Lights out! Cut
5: all lights! Lights out! Lights out! Lights out!
4: Lights. Keep your head down, General. Now, focus your field glasses between those sandbags. Yes. See the gully? There's a greenish light glowing over it.
3: Wait, something is rising. Like a periscope? Yes. And beneath that, a greenish machine, almost round. Just floating there in the air without
4: propellers or jets. It must be supported by some sort of rays. Probably a kind of magnetic flux. They must be keeping the opposing poles in balance, and that lifts the machine. There's a second machine. And a third. Dr. Forrester! Dr. Forrester! Miss Van Buren, what are you doing here?
6: Uncle Matthew insisted on coming, and I wouldn't let him by himself. Dr. Forrester, you've got to talk to him. Miss Van Buren... Please, you've got to stop him. He, He wants to go out and talk to those meteor machines.
4: What? All right, take me to him.
6: Uncle Matthew keeps saying we should try to make the Martians understand we're willing to be friends.
4: They gave us the chance to be.
6: I know, but Uncle Matthew says it's his duty as a minister, a man of God.
3: All command posts. Stand by to well, fight.
4: Well, where is he now?
6: I left him right about... about here. Uncle Matt?
3: Forrester,
4: the machines are Uncle advancing. Matt? There's there's some fool out there Uncle walking them. Oh, no. Uncle Matt! It's too late now, you can't save him. Ah!
0: Ah! Artillery batteries, fire! Rocket batteries, fire!
4: They're they're still there. They're untouched. Yes, they put up some sort of electromagnetic covering the transparent dome that stops the shells.
0: They're coming at us. All batteries, fire.
2: It's impossible. One minute I've got every artillery, tanks, and rockets, whole batteries of 105s, and and that ray hits them. There's nothing, nothing, just a puff of ashes.
3: Well, now we know why two thirds of Santiago was destroyed. Why?
4: But not how. I think I know, General. That heat ray neutralizes the masons. Masons are the atomic glue which holds all matter together, cut across the lines of magnetic force, and any object will simply cease to exist. Uh-huh. And just how do we defend ourselves against it? Not with shells and high explosives, I can tell you that. Take my word for it, General. You better talk to Washington about uranium and hydrogen bombs.
6: Here they come!
3: Here they come! Come on, let's get out of here! Everybody out! All commands fall back! North of Highway 60 tunnel marker! Come on, hurry it up!
0: Everybody out! Ah! <sighs> hmm.
4: Miss Van Buren, Sylvia.
6: Hmm?
4: Wake up. Let's not spend all morning in this sullage pit.
6: Hmm. Oh, how long have we been here?
4: Well, since the jeep ran out of gas, I guess about three hours. As near as I can figure it, we're somewhere southwest of Corona.
6: And that machine?
4: Oh, it's gone. It's headed in the other direction.
6: Oh, thank heavens. You know, I'm hungry.
4: (laughs) Oh, you ought to be. Come on, on your feet now. Mm. There's a farmhouse across that field. Looks like the people took off in a big hurry, but maybe they left some food. Look! Over the mountains! Yeah, the good old Air Force.
6: They found one of the machines! They just disappeared in midair.
4: Yeah, well, it isn't going to do any good thinking about it. Let's head for that farmhouse. Well, there are times when there's nothing so beautiful, so soul-satisfying as bacon and eggs.
6: The people who lived here were so thoughtful to leave us them. Where's your plate?
4: Right here. You know, I get most of my meals in coffee shops. It's pretty tame eating.
6: Well, don't you live at home?
4: No, I live on the campus. You see, I haven't any family.
6: Oh, I come from a big one. There's nine of us. All in Minnesota, except me. Well, Dr. Forrester, hmm? aren't you gonna sit down? There's a kitchen table.
4: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, a big family must be fun. I imagine it makes you feel, well, well as if you belong to something.
6: Mm, it does. Maybe that's why I feel kind of lost right now.
4: Yeah, I know. But everything's going to be all right, Sylvia. Is it? Well, at least we've got to think that.
6: They, whatever they are, they murder everything they see. Everything that moves. We're helpless.
4: Sylvia... Every creature that has ever lived has had some sort of weakness. None of them has ever been invincible. Somehow, we'll find the weakness of these... These Martians. Some way to stop them.
6: I hope so. Would you like some more coffee? You know, I feel like I did when... You know, I feel like I did one time when when I was a little girl. I wandered off, i have forgotten why... But I became awfully scared and lonely. Finally, I went to a church. I was afraid to go anyplace else. I stayed right by that door, praying for the one who loved me best to come and find me. It was Uncle Matthew who found me.
4: I'm awfully sorry about him.
6: Oh, I loved him very much. I could just ball my head off.
4: You're not going to. You're not the kind.
6: What kind am I?
4: The brave kind down on the floor. Sylvia. Sylvia.
6: Yes. Are you all right? Yes. This sounds right outside the kitchen.
4: It is. Sylvia, we've got to get a look at them. No. Shh. Don't you see? This is the first chance any human has ever had to get a real close-up of them. If I can tell General Mann and our scientists what kinds of beings we're dealing with...
6: But I'm coming with you. Okay. Wait. Take this.
4: What good is a carving knife?
6: Maybe none, but take it.
4: In the front room. Come on. See anything? No.
6: Clayton, there's something behind me. Something touching my left shoulder.
4: I see it. Don't move. The knife. Don't move. rather not say.
6: Your hands. What's that on your hands?
4: Blood. Martian blood. (laughs) Sylvia, stop it. Stop it.
0: Clayton! Come
4: on, run for it.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, for the benefit of those who don't know me, I'm General Mann of G2. I've asked you here because we desperately need the knowledge and skill of each one of you. Physicists, scientists, representatives of the Sixth Army Command, the Marine Corps, Navy Air Force, the heads of our law enforcement agencies, the Civil Defense and Red Cross units. The Secretary of Defense in Washington has instructed me to give the whole picture of what has happened and what lies before us.
4: Let us through. We've got to see General Mann. Let us through.
6: Please, let us
3: through. What is all that commotion? Major See what that is. Yes, sir. General Mann. General. Yes, Dr. Bilderbeck. That man is one of my colleagues, Dr. Clayton Forrester. Forrester? We thought he'd been killed. Let them through. Let them through. Forrester, Miss Van Buren,
4: we gave up on you 24 hours ago. You almost had reason to, General.
6: Yes, the Martians tried to take us alive. What?
4: Yeah, this morning, outside of Corona. We managed to get away. We found an abandoned truck and drove to Pacific Tech. They told us you were here. By any chance, is Dr. Lucille Dupree in this room? Right here, Forrester. Oh, good, Dr. Dupree. I want you to analyze the stain on this cloth. I suggest that you leave for the laboratory right away. What kind of stain is it, Forrester? Blood of a Martian. Forrester, I want a complete report of your experience.
3: But first, I think you ought to hear what I was about to say. By all means, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, This is the latest radio message from the Department of Defense. To General Mann, command post Xenophon, Los Angeles. Scandinavia, presumed now in enemy control. All communications from Sweden, Norway, and Denmark, blacked out. Paris, now under attack. French cabinet has transferred to Strasbourg. Madrid, totally destroyed. Rome, no further word, blacked out. London. Blacked out. Buenos Aires, blacked out. Philadelphia,
4: blacked out. New Orleans, blacked out. General Mann. Yes? I've heard enough to convince me, enough I'm sure to convince every physicist in this room. We must answer the enemy with our final weapon. I was just coming to that, Forrester. By order of
3: the Secretary of Defense and authorized by the President of the United States, the city of Los Angeles is to be defended by full atomic force. Three hours from now, this afternoon at 1600 hours, the flying wing will drop the newest and most deadly bomb ever built, a thermonuclear bomb of octopal power. In three hours, we shall know its effectiveness, and possibly the fate of mankind.
5: This report is being recorded on tape for future history if there's to be any future history. The future of our civilization may well depend on what happens here this afternoon.
2: Attention, please. Attention. Three minutes to bomb time.
5: In case you didn't hear that, it's now three minutes to the detonation of a hydrogen bomb eight times more powerful than any bomb ever used.
2: Attention, Dr. Forrester. Please report to General
5: may- the target for the bomb is a nest of Martian machines in the Pointe Hills. We are about six miles from the target. There is, however, a forward observation post which has the Martians clearly in sight and which will report back to this base by telephone.
1: You
4: know, of course, that you're not supposed to be here.
6: Everyone else has told me that, from General Man down, but I'm only interested in where Clayton Forrester wants me.
4: Now that is here.
2: Forrester? Forrester?
4: Dupree, I I thought you were back at the lab.
6: I just finished. That sample of Martian blood, Forrester? It's astounding. I've never seen blood crystals so anemic.
4: Huh. Anything else?
2: Yes. The structure of the corpus...
4: Forrester, General Man wants us in his dugout. We're coming. We're coming. Watch your heads, everybody. There's not much clearance here. Attention! One minute. One minute. If you have no goggles, turn your backs to
3: the blast. Remember, the heat blast and concussions that follow are dangerous. Are dangerous. General Man. Oh, Forrester. I want you to stand by for the first damage reports. Certainly, sir. Major, open the line to the forward observation post. Yes, sir. Go ahead, sir. Observation. Yes, sir. The flying wing is now beginning its bomb run.
4: Yes, sir. General, those Martian machines, they're throwing up some sort of transparent dome over themselves. Uh Uh-huh. That would be the electromagnetic shield. Thirty seconds.
6: Thirty seconds. Clayton? Yes? May I hold your hand?
4: Of course. An awful lot of smoke. General, General, we can see something moving. They're still there. They haven't been even touched. They're still. Ah!
3: Observation! Come in! Observation! Come in!
4: Well, now we know the worst. We may not be through yet, General. (laughs) No, there's still a chance. A forlorn hope, perhaps, that our sciences can search out some weakness in these Martians.
6: Yes. Perhaps biologically.
4: That anemic blood. Look, our battle now is for time. We've got to take our instruments and hide somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. Set up an emergency laboratory there. I'm sure the Air Force stands ready to fly your equipment wherever you wish. That's good enough for us. Bilderbreck, Dupree, you too, Sylvia. As soon as we get back to Los Angeles, we'll gather up all the things They're we They're coming! They're coming!
3: Everybody out of here! Everybody out! Attention, please. Attention. This is an official order of the 6th Army Command. Evacuate
4: your homes at once. Take food, and water, and extra clothing with you. Do not panic. All major highways have been marked to lead you to evacuation centers in the hills and along the beaches.
6: Well, faster. Can't you go faster? That motorcycle's going to Look crash. Out! My god! My,
2: my baby! My baby! Give it <laughs> It's ours, boys! Every store and every shop in the city, they're all ours.
4: The rest of you wait here in the truck for me. Forrester, bring only
5: the sonic microscopes.
4: Okay, which floor are they on?
6: The tenth. The tenth, Forrester. Hurry, Clayton.
4: Don't worry, I'll be back in five minutes.
6: Look, look at those men. They're looting, robbing. Hey,
4: there's a truck. That's what we need. Start the engine. Start the engine. But Clayton, we'll come back for him. Start it. Get out of there. No, no. Come on.
7: Please. Come on open up.
4: I told him to wait here. Could have been more than five minutes. Sylvia! Bilderbeck, back, Dupree! Sylvia! They went well, off and left you too, huh? No, no, something must have happened. They'll, they'll be back, well, they're in a yellow truck. A truck!
1: Sir, I'll give you $1,000. For for what? you so your place in that truck.
4: Listen, I said that- 2000 Look, I don't want anything 5, from you- $5,000! i am rich. I got it right here. My, my wife, servants, everybody. That, they ran off and left me. No, I'm sorry, but you your money's no good work. now. <laughs> thousand, Sylvia! 50, Dupree! Bilderbeck, Sylvia! 100,000, everything I got, everything. <laughs> where. where can they be? Sylvia! <laughs> Ma'am. Ma'am, I'm looking for a girl. A tall, dark girl. She was driving a yellow truck, and, uh, I'm sorry ma'am, she's lost. She's probably very frightened. Well, she said the last time she was lost, she was, she was so frightened. Maybe, maybe that's where she went. To, to a church.
3: Sylvia! Sylvia! no. Silvia. Sylvia! be thy name. Thy come, thy will be done, on earth
4: as it is
0: in heaven. Silvia. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our
2: trespasses. Trespass
3: against us. This is he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the
4: Almighty. Clayton I will say of the Lord Sylvia, he
2: is my refuge
3: and here.
6: My here. Oh,
4: my Let me through. Let me through, please. Oh,
6: dearest! Oh my dearest darling The mob, they took the truck, they pushed us out in the street, blocks from where you left us. I ran back, but you were gone.
4: It's all right now, Sylvia. It's all right.
6: Yes, we're together. (laughs) Clayton!
4: Something's happening to that machine. Come on.
6: Look, they're in the street. That body! Oh, it's... ugly.
4: Yeah. That's one of them.
6: They're... dying! They're all dying!
4: Prayed for a miracle.
1: And it happened. All over the world, in London, in Paris, in Rome, Rio de Janeiro, Melbourne, New York, and San Francisco, the terrible invasion began to fall apart as the invaders sickened, convulsed, collapsed, and died. The Martians had no resistance to the bacteria in our atmosphere, to which we have long since become immune. Once they had breathed our air, these germs, which no longer affect us, began to kill them. The end came swiftly as their great machines fell silent. After all that men could do had failed, the Martians were destroyed and mankind saved by the littlest thing which God, in his wisdom, had put upon this earth.
0: You've been listening to the Trinity Radio Players production of War of the Worlds, starring Joe Barry as Dr. Clayton Forrester, with Melissa Goodall as Sylvia Van Buren, Wes Bartlett as General Mann, Joseph Aquisto as the Sheriff. David Rourke as Colonel Hefner, B. Westerfield as Professor Lucille Dupree, Reed Roberts as Professor Bilderbeck, and featuring the vocal talents of Tom Pope, Jim Parr, Derek Van Toole, Joshua Orion, Alex Vanover, Eric Huskinson, P.J. Starks, Brett Mills, Shelby Christensen, and Mike Quigg. War of the Worlds was directed by Todd Reynolds and produced by Derek Hancock and Mason Leach at the WKWC Radio Studios on the campus of Kentucky Wesleyan College. The Trinity Radio Players are supported by Greenwell Chisholm and Limestone Bank and the Kentucky Arts Council, the state arts agency, providing American Rescue plans to Theater Workshop of Owensboro, Inc. with federal funding from the National Endowment for the Arts. Goodbye until next time.